Well, how are we, New Life? It's good to see you this morning. Well, actually, I don't see you, but you see me. And as I've said a few times now, that's probably a good thing for some of us. Um, hey, I just want to give you a little bit of an update on what we're doing here for the messages. <clears throat> as a lot of you are probably aware that we've been in a series on the book of Ecclesiastes. It's called What is Life? And we've been a- asking a lot of questions about how you can find meaning in life. It's been a great series. If you're new to us, maybe you're stumbling upon us on YouTube or Facebook, I would really encourage you to go to our website at nlspringfield.com and check out some of those messages. They have been very helpful to people. Um, But given the state of what we've been walking through here with coronavirus and COVID-19, we just thought it would make sense to take a little bit of a break and pivot from that series and just address the issues today more head on. Thinking specifically as we've addressed this topic, the question of where do we look when we're we're stuck? Where do we look when we're trying to figure things out? Where do we look when we're in trouble? And if we were to be really honest, I bet that in our context, for a lot of us, Google is probably one of the first places we look, right? Um, I was thinking of things that we've probably looked for in in this setting. I'm sure that some of you probably looked for good recipes because you've been at home and you can't go out to eat, right? I'm sure that some of you who have Disney Plus have probably looked up when does Onward get placed on Disney Plus, and that was April 3rd. Maybe some of you are wondering things like, oh, I don't know, um, how do I get directions to this place? Or, or maybe a question that you asked a week or so ago was, what exactly is essential personnel and am I essential personnel? The, the Google is a great place for us to address those kind of questions, but Google's also a bad place to address some questions. I, was, I, tried, I looked at the, the weirdest Google searches of the last year, and this is the weirdest one that I found. It was, can Jesus microwave a burrito? Like, that's a good question. I think he probably could. I don't know that he ever did, though. Another thing that Google would be a really bad place to look at would be if you're wanting to remove your own appendix. Like, I probably wouldn't Google how to do that, though it can be useful at other things. And so, as I was thinking about where we're at and how we're feeling, I bet a lot of us are sitting in this place thinking, I need help. What do I do? I need to look for something. And it's so important as we think about scriptures to realize that the answer to where we look for help is not found in us, but it's found in someone beyond us. Very common scripture is one in Matthew 7 where Jesus says, Ask and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. And something we don't think about when we think about that scripture is that the answer to what we're looking for isn't in ourselves because if it was, Jesus wouldn't tell us to ask. He wouldn't tell us to look. He wouldn't tell us to seek. He would just tell us to look within ourselves. And so as I was thinking about this message, there's a psalm that continues to kind of resonate in my heart during seasons of challenge. I remember when I became the pastor of this church, this psalm was a warm blanket to my soul when I didn't know what to do even when we found out about the lockdown, that this psalm was what I felt like I needed to read to the church as a source of encouragement. 
And, and given our situation, I want to take some time and look at what this psalm is saying just in a little bit more depth. This is a psalm that, that is referred to often as a, a traveler psalm, that it's written to those who are going on a journey. And the whole point is that the reader would know that God is with them on the journey. And here's my prayer. My prayer for us this morning is that this would bring us hope as we're walking on a journey that I would guess that none of us have experienced before. And the psalm that we're going to look at is Psalm 121. And I'm going to read it all to you, and then we'll go through and we'll look at it verse by verse. So this is Psalm 121. We'll start in verse 1. It says this. It says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Isn't that a beautiful psalm? Now, we have to be careful not to let the poetic nature and the beautiful language help us miss what is happening initially. Okay, just look at the scene that is set here in verse 1. It says, I lift my eyes to the hills from where does my help come. That this is a person who is desperate. This is a person who, who is looking for help. This is a person who is experiencing a challenge and saying, I, I need to look somewhere. This is someone who doesn't know what to do. I mean, think of the situations in your life where you were looking for an answer. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had a situation in your life where you knew something needed to change or maybe you were afraid and you needed help? That, 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 is, that is what he's saying. That, that the inclination of a person who is in trouble is to look for help. And how the psalmist is starting is it's starting by saying, I'm in trouble. I need help. And I would just guess, given the circumstances surrounding us right now, that a lot of you would be able to say that is your situation. That right now you are saying, I am in trouble. I need help. I don't know where this is going to come. I don't know how, this, how I'm going to be able to see this through. And this psalm is saying that if this is where you are, I know just where to look. That if this is what you're feeling, I know where you can find the help that you need. And it's so important that we think about this. It's so important that when we're looking for help, we look to the right places. Because if you're looking for help, but you look to the wrong places, you're just going to find yourself in more trouble than you started. I was thinking about this situation when I was a kid. I was in, I was probably 12 years old, 
okay? And I had one of those haircuts that you just kind of regret. Like you, it's the one you look back on in the pictures and you're like, oh gosh, I sure hope that no one sees this picture. Like it was that haircut, okay? And, and I had this idea because I wanted to like shave the sides of my head a little bit. And so my dad had one of those um, beard trimmers. You know what I'm talking about? So what I did, I had one of my friends over, he was 14 years old. And, and what we decided to do is he, he coached me on how to cut my hair. So I got my dad's beard trimmer and I started like shaving the side of my head, trying to make it look good. And, and needless to say, you can probably imagine how that story ended. Um, it, it looked worse than the weird haircut that I originally had. And so this is what I did. I was in trouble, I needed help, I needed to fix it, and I needed it to look good before my parents got home. So what did I do? I asked my 14-year-old friend to fix my hair. Believe it or not, he actually made it look worse than it did. And here's what I'm saying. I was looking for help in a place that couldn't help me. And this is what happens. And some of you are here and you're, you need help. And it's so important that as you look for help and as you seek help, that you're committed to look for it in the right place. Because if we look for help in the wrong places, we're going to get defeated. And so here's the psalmist. He's looking at you. He's setting the seed. And here's what he's saying. He's saying, you need help. And I know just where you need to look. That in your moments of despair, in those moments where you don't know what to do, but you just know that you need help and something needs to be fixed, the psalmist would tell you, he would say, God is where you look. I look my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? I have found that my help comes from the Lord. And so he, he poses his problem. He gives the solution. And then he spends the rest of this psalm saying, in essence, let me tell you why you can trust him. Let me tell you why God is a trustworthy helper. Let me help you understand that when you are in trouble, that this is why he's a place that you can go. And I just want to look at these reasons with you this morning. The first one is this, that you can go to God in trouble because he created heaven and earth. When you're in trouble, you can go to the one who created heaven and earth. What's his first reason? He says, my help comes from the Lord, the one who made heaven and earth. Now, think just for a moment with me the power that is on display in that verse. I mean, like, how many times have you made something and you thought it was a big deal? I was like, what, for my, my daughter's birthday, I met her Madeline. For her birthday, I spent four hours and I built a dollhouse for her. I think it's so significant that this is the second sermon that I've mentioned it in, okay? This weekend, I fixed the flusher on our toilet. You would have thought that I like won an Oscar that was so significant. And anyone who's ever done that knows you just actually have to screw something in. And I'm sure that a lot of you, you probably look at things that you've created, things that are difficult, and it gives you like a sense of pride because, hey, look at what I did. Look at what I made. Think about this. He made heaven and earth. And we're aware of that idea, but like I just want to lean in and help you see how complicated that must have been. So, like I just found a couple facts about, about creation, and one is this, is that, do you know 
that a new star is born every 0. 0.0002 seconds. A star, many of which are bigger than our sun. Our sun is a kind of an important part of Earth that keeps us warm. That God creates one of those every 0. 0.0002 seconds. Like just in the in the time I've repeated that, there have probably been 30 stars that have been born. And he's just creating them. He's just speaking them and they're happening. And here's what I can tell you, that if he accidentally created one right here where we were today, we'd all disappear. Like the power in that is pretty incredible. Or maybe think about this. Okay, think about your body right now. That in your body, there are 37 trillion cells. 37 trillion cells in your body. Depending on what source you look, there's about 6 billion bodies in the world. Now think of that cell like a puzzle piece. That God in his power and wisdom put it all together. Maybe some of you put some puzzles together over this trip. That kind of makes that thousand, that thousand piece puzzle you put together seem a little, little insufficient, right? Because there's something in his creative power that's supposed to bring us hope. The psalmist wants us to see, okay, he, he made it all. So you can trust him. You can trust him because if he made it all, that means that there is infinite power and wisdom in this person who we trust. Think of the power that it would take to hold the universe together. That's what he's doing. Think of the wisdom that it would take to make it all run. I mean, we get excited about creating dollhouses and fixing toilets, and he's holding it all together. The psalmist is saying, shift your gaze to the Lord, and you can trust him because he made heaven and earth. And that was no small thing. Another reason why he gives us that we can trust him is that we can trust him because he doesn't sleep when he watches you. He doesn't sleep when he watches you. Look at this here. It says, he will not be moved. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. This is so significant that he actually repeats it. Like, notice what he does here. He says, he who keeps you will not slumber. And then he says, behold, and he says the exact same thing again. He's saying, how incredible is it that this God who is powerful enough to hold and sustain the universe is watching you intently in a way where he never falls asleep. And if he doesn't fall asleep, you can really trust his care. I, I was thinking about when my kids were little, <clears throat> and we'd go to that McDonald's play place by the, uh, by the mall, the one with the massive play place that for whatever reason they thought they needed to take down. You know what I'm talking about? And, and we'd watch our kids, and there would come this moment when they would climb up into the play place, and I could no longer see them. And you get kind of used to it as a parent, and especially with your second kid, you're like, eh, we're cool. But with the first one, when they go up there and you can't see them for the first time, 
and all you know is that they're going to come out of one of those three slides, like there is a moment of fear. Why is the fear there? It's because you can't see them. It's because you don't know what they're doing. It's because if something happens, you can't step in and protect them. Even for some of you who are teachers, you know this. When do most problems happen with your students? They probably happen at recess or at lunch or on the bus. Why? Because those are the places where there is no supervision. And when there's no supervision, <clears throat> there are problems. But you have the psalmist here say, he continues to watch you. And if he continues to watch over you, that means that you're never vulnerable. And since he's God, <clears throat> he, he doesn't have the same emotions, or, the, or he has the same emotions, but he doesn't have the same limitations that we have when we become tired. <clears throat> like think about you when you get tired. You probably, probably don't see as well. Maybe your eyes get a little hazy. So you don't want to drive when you're tired. It, when, when, you're, when you're tired, you probably cut corners. You get lazy. You rush through things that you don't need to rush through. Even for me, when I'm tired, I can't think straight. And things that maybe were easy for me become more difficult for me. Why? Because I'm, because I'm tired. And here you have a God who watches over you and doesn't, that doesn't happen to him. That, that you're not vulnerable because he's there. That he, he never sleeps. That he's fully aware. He doesn't have the limitations that you do. <clears throat> that right now in this moment, he is intently watching you and he sees it all. <clears throat> and for some of you, you absolutely need to hear this right now. Because as you think about your life, as you think about your situation, you don't feel like anybody sees you. And, and even though you can't see him, it doesn't mean that he doesn't see you. This is why we walk by faith and not by sight. We have to trust that he's watching us closely, that he knows what he's doing, and that he cares for us the same way that we care when we watch our children. And even if you're here and you're thinking, man, Ryan, I just don't feel it. I just don't see how that could be true. Then, then, then you've got this interesting fork in the road that you've got to decide. You've got to decide what do you want to trust? Do you want to trust God's promise? Or are you going to trust your problem? The promise says that he watches you. And even sometimes that means that he might watch things and, and it might feel like he's doing nothing, but you can trust that ultimately he's going to work it out for his good. And you can know that because the scripture says that he watches you. Another reason why we can trust him is that it says in the text, it says that he protects us from the physical elements. Okay, he protects us from things that are physical. Look at this. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. A little interesting note there on the right hand is the right hand is actually where you would need protection because you would hold your shield in your left hand and you would hold your sword in your right hand. And so what, what he's saying is he's saying, 
that where you don't have your shield, that God is your shield. That He is there to protect you and He'll protect you from things that are physical that maybe when you think about God, you wouldn't think He would protect you from. I mean, notice he mentions, mentions two very earthly things here. He, he mentions the sun and he mentions the moon. And, and when you think about like the sun in the Middle East, when this would have been written, like that it would get so hot that the heat could actually blind your vision. Th- that it could get so hot that, that, that a very common death in that time, and even probably at this time too, would be sunstroke. That it was something that people struggled to deal with. That that it it was very easy for a person, after just a short amount of time outside, to become dehydrated. That it was a level of heat that you could could just simply define as oppressive. (laughs) Like when I started thinking about it, I started thinking about um, those times at Silver Dollar City where I get hot and I feel like I need one of those Mr. Fans. Kind of makes me feel a little weak when I think about the sun that he's talking about there. But the idea here is... It's, a, it's physical, it's hard, it's difficult, but God will protect you. That he's not going to let the sun harm you, but he's going to keep you through it. Even with the moon. You think, okay, well, what about the moon? Well, think about it. The evening is equally as scary as, as the daytime. Evenings when the bandits would come out. Evenings when... You sleep, and like we've mentioned, that when you sleep, you become vulnerable. I mean, think about your kids. When do your kids get scared? They probably get scared at night, right? They don't get scared during the day. But even for us, I mean, you hear a noise in the middle of the day, you don't think it's anything. But man, if you hear that same noise in the middle of the night, (laughs) you're getting out and you're walking around or you're staying and praying to God that no one's in your house, right? Because there's something about the night that's scary. And what, what, what he wants us to see here is he wants us to see that even in those moments of night, God will protect you. It makes me think of a situation, I mean, the, the, the fear that comes with the night, it makes me think of a situation that happened in New Life. It wasn't all that long ago. Everyone had left. It was on a Wednesday night after, after groups. But Randy LeBrock sat out underneath the awning on his motorcycle waiting, I think it was like an hour, for Pastor Ashley to leave because he didn't want her in the middle of the night to have to walk to her car alone. Why? Because there's something about the night that's scary. There's something about the night that makes us vulnerable. And what God, and, and Randy being there brought Ashley a lot of confidence. And what, what the psalmist is trying to help us see is he's trying to help us see in the same way that in the night, that God's there. That in the night, He'll walk you to your car. In the night, He'll be there with you. And thinking specifically even of COVID, thinking of the coronavirus. I mean, that, that, is, that is a physical element that we are scared of. I mean, we're literally talking about a disease. People are getting sick. And here's what the scriptures are showing us here. Showing us that God that he isn't just some spirit in the sky, but he's, he's with us in the physical things that we experience. That he is, he is actually with you in the midst of your challenges. And there isn't a greater picture of this than the person of Jesus Christ. I mean, his life 
is full of experiencing physical things. That, that he experienced exile. <clears throat> he experienced storms. He experienced heartbreak. That, that he died alone on a cross. He knows. He knows what it's like to be physical. And not only does he know it, he was able to get through it all. And I like what the author of Hebrews says. They say that, that Jesus, because of all that he went through, because of the physical nature of what he endured, that he is able to sympathize with us in every way. So that means that when we look to God for help, we're not getting something that's heartless, but we're, we're getting a God who, who is physical, who is able to experience the things that we experience. And not only that, but he has the wisdom to help us know how to make the most of those things. I came across this quote by Josh Moody, and this is what he says about Jesus. He says, how can Christians believe in the crucifixion of the Son of God if they do not believe that God has a plan for suffering? He says, we worship the king with a crown of thorns, not a golden tiara. That in, in, all, in all suffering, that God, because he was physical, he knows how to make it work. And so we can say, he, he can say, the sun's not going to harm you by day nor the moon by night. You can trust him. You can look to him for help, that he is a good place to go. Another reason why we can trust him is his purity protects us from evil. That we, we can trust him because he's pure. We can trust him because of his morality. Because as you seek God, as you trust him, as you spend time with him, as you make your life look like something that would please him, you become like him. And as you become like him, you grow in purity. Look at what this, the psalmist is saying. The Lord will help you. The Lord will keep you from all evil. Like he's saying, he will help you by keeping you from evil. He will keep your life. This protection from evil, it's talking about keeping you from doing things that might come as a result of your own stupidity. I know, like I know. We hate to admit this, but oftentimes we are our own worst enemy. Especially in times like these where emotions are high. When emotions are high, what happens? We tend to do things that we regret. And I imagine with the tense, the, how tense this moment feels kind of as a, as a nation, that it would be very easy for you to say something you regret. That it would be very easy for you to make rash emotional decisions without giving much thought to them. That, that I would bet that it, the, the, the intensity of this moment, you're going to be tempted to take out your fears on people who have nothing to do with the reason why you're afraid. That what the psalmist is helping us see is helping us see that God, as we grow in Him, as we grow in purity, that he, he keeps us from the evil that's inside of us. And, and we have this incredible opportunity. We have more time at home. There are less things that we can do. And man, 
how many of us have said, you know, you know what I'd like to do? I'd like to develop a devotion life. You know, I'd really like to, to pray more. Well, man, I can tell you what, you have an opportunity here unlike you've ever had before. And as you do, what will happen? Is God will give you strength, that His Holy Spirit will grow inside of you. And as that happens, in that moment where you, you really want to say something, there'll be something inside of you that'll be like, no, don't. That in those moments where you're wanting to make a rash, emotional decision, there'll be something inside of you that will say, you know what, what if we, what if we push into wisdom? What if, there's a, what if there's actually a better way? In that moment where you're really frustrated and you're really scared, and rightly so. I mean, the psalmist is writing this. Like, he was legitimately scared. And in that moment where you're rightly scared, where you're going to want to take it out on someone that has nothing to do with it, you're going to have this sense from God that's going to help you know to hold back. That he keeps us. He keeps us from evil. And then the last reason why we can trust him the last reason why we see that we can look to him is because unlike anything else, unlike any relationship, his care, his care lasts forever. Listen to this. Listen to how he, he closes out this passage of scripture. Okay, He says, the Lord will keep your going out and your coming in. I'm sure a lot of us would probably like to go out right now. From this time forth, and forevermore. Let me just think of it, forevermore. He will never stop caring for you. That even when you step out of time, His care will still rest on you. And this isn't the only place in Scripture that we see it. We see this in Psalm 23. Listen to this. It says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Here's what this means. In life, there will be painful things. But if you entrust yourself to God, then you will never experience any true or final evil. That right now, you're, you're just in the middle of a story. And this is the psalm is saying, the story ends good. That you'll never step out of his care. Because we know who will win in the end. And here's what I can tell you about this situation, okay? It will pass. Eventually, things are going to go back to something like what we were used to. It will. Like this season will pass and I'm sure some of us will, will forget that this ever even happened to some extent. But here's what I can promise you. There is a really good chance that there will be more challenges in your life. Some of them, they might affect the whole community like this one and some of them might only affect you. They'll come. And when they do, it's important that we know that we will be cared for. That's what they want us to see. That these scriptures say this. They're saying you can go to God, that God can help you. That if you're in this season where you're looking for what to do, you can know there is a God in heaven who wants to help you. And as we finish this out, I just want us to see that not only is this a theme, 
that you see throughout Scripture, but Jesus communicates the same thing. And in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our challenges, there is not a better helper than the person of Jesus Christ. And, and his care for you is so significant. It's so significant that when Matthew, when he ends his gospel, I mean, think of it, you want the last thing you say to be really important because you want people to remember it. But the last thing that Matthew records Jesus saying is this. He records this in Matthew 28, 20. He says, this is Jesus speaking and he's speaking to you. He says, behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. And here's what we know. The group of people that Jesus said that to experienced all kinds of hardship. That 11 of his disciples, that they died very excruciatingly painful deaths. That the, that the church faced challenges unlike anything we've seen. That there were challenges. That there was hardship. But Jesus was with them through it all. And we know it because he said it. And so for you today, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where you're at in your life, but here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that Jesus says, I'm with you. I want you to know that in God, the Lord, that you have a place where you can run if you need help. Don't let your pride keep you from that. Because here's what I can tell you, that there is joy as we put our trust in him. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray for those of you who are scared. And I'm going to pray for those of you who maybe are afraid to trust God. I'm going to pray that God will give you the strength to trust him. And this could be a moment in your life where you realize that you can not only know about a God, but you can know him personally. Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. And God, we're thankful for the ability to get in all these homes, to talk to these people. And Father, I just want to pray. God, I want to pray for my friends this, this morning. God, I pray for those who, who need help. God, would you help them to see that you're their helper? Would you help them to see all the reasons why they can trust your help? God, I pray you would go before them and you would bless them in that. And then, Father, I, I pray for those this morning maybe who who are thinking about that, who've never really known you intimately, or maybe they knew you intimately at one time or personally at one time, but the truth is they have walked away from that. God, I pray in this moment that they would repent of their sins, that they would put their faith in Jesus, and as they put their faith in him, they would know that they can trust him. And they would trust him by giving their lives to him. Jesus, we thank you for the hope that's available to us in you. And I just pray that you would continue to go before us in this season. We love you and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, guys, thanks for hanging out with us this morning. We love you guys. We look forward to seeing you again um, in the near future through these means. It's going to be a lot of fun. We'll see you then.